Amen. You ready to hear the word of the Lord? Amen. I'm glad this evening to have Brother Ken Bass by way of Michigan, or actually by way of Louisiana, to Michigan. Well, to, let me start over. From Michigan, no, from Louisiana, to Bethlehem, Mississippi, to Michigan. There we go. Can you come say a word for the Lord this evening? We are so glad to have him. I saw him and I was like, are you preaching tonight? And he said, no, sir, I don't know who's preaching. <laughs> but we're so glad to have him. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Good to be in the house of Bethlehem tonight. Praise God. Told that young lady sitting on the third pew, I said, You're sitting in my pew. It was mine and Sister Bass's pew 34 years ago when we showed up here. Just young, didn't even have any kids yet, living the life, living our best life without no kids. Praise God. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. It's not fair that Brother David Hughes can sing like he can and then preach like he can, too. It's just, it's not fair. At least I'm prettier than he is, so I got that. Praise God. No, I don't think that. I do have good hair. Praise God. John chapter 12 and verse 20 was talking about the Greeks. They came to the disciples and said, we came seeking Jesus. They took their request. To Jesus and Jesus never even acknowledged that they said anything. He just simply said this. He said, it's time for the Son of Man to be glorified. When the Greeks began to search him out, he just simply said, it's time for the man, the Son of Man to be glorified. I looked up what glorified meant. It meant to render now, we down south, them Yankees, they don't know. Sister Voskis, you don't know, even though she's a transplant, what rendering is. Rendering is when you take something in one state and you cook it down. And I use the example of bacon. I love bacon. I love bacon. I love more bacon on top of more bacon and on the side of bacon. But I don't want to eat raw bacon. But if you put it in a skillet and you begin to add heat to it and it starts to render it down. That's what Jesus was telling them. It's time for me to be rendered down. It simply means in the Greek to cause to become. In other words, you're one thing, but you're going to become something else even better. When the Greeks begin to search for God, God said, it's time for me to be rendered. It's time for me. I'm this. What was this? He opened the blinded eye. He healed the deaf ear. The lame began to walk. The sick became well. He walked on water. My God, what could be better than all of this? When Jesus said, I'm this, but I'm going to change into this. The reason that he said he had to be glorified is because he knew he had to be crucified. We all want to be glorified, but don't none of us want to be crucified. But you got to go through that crucifixion before you become what God really wants you to become. He, you're something now. Come on, pray. I don't care if you've been in church. I don't care if this is your first night in church or you've been here since Noah got off the ark. It doesn't matter because you're always wanting to become something.
something better than what you were. And God wants to make you better. What could be better than, a, than, than, than the blind man to receive his sight or the deaf man to receive his hearing? I want you to understand, God said, I'm this. I am a miracle worker. I'm a healer. I'm a walker on water. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a storm calmer. But I'm going to become something better. What could become better than all that? You know what it was? It was time to him to be rendered. Sister Bonnie, it was time for him to be crucified. And what happened to him when he became crucified? He became something better. He became our Savior. He was not our Savior until he was crucified. He said, I'm going to become your Savior. Until I go through the crucifixion, I can't become better than what I am. I'm glad he's my Savior tonight. Can we give the Lord a good hand clap of praise tonight? Thank you, Brother Bass. Can we worship the, worship the Lord a little bit? Hallelujah. God, I thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We've already heard some words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Brother Bass will always, always have a special place in my heart. He was preaching, and you remember it well, but he was preaching on a New Year's Eve when my 96-year-old, you may be seated, 96-year-old grandpa, who for many years hated this truth. That was a bunch of emotionalism. But he began to come around in 92, I believe it was. He got baptized in the name of Jesus. Waited a few more years, and 96 years old, he's here visiting with us. And Brother Bass just so happened to be passing by. And he preached, and my grandfather got the gift of the Holy Ghost, talking in other tongues. It's never too late. Hallelujah, 96 years old. He's gone on to glory. My God. But we have a great cloud of witnesses waiting on us. And I'm looking forward to that day, and it coincides with what I want to speak about. We've been having some preaching around here, I tell you. My Lord. I don't know how I'm going to... Amen. Let's try number two. Amen. The devil's fighting, ain't he? That is all right. Now I forget where I was at. Brother Austin, my Lord, what preaching. How can I follow up with that? My goodness. I know it's not a competition, and I'm not going to look at it as a competition. He has his ministry. I have mine. And boy, that boy is anointed. I don't care if he is my child. He is anointed of God, and he will till some ground and plow some field, I tell you. But, uh, you know, you hear the best all the time around here. You've got Bishop Wilson, Pastor Vasquez, Brother Seals Sunday morning did an outstanding job. And I'm not coming here to compete. If you're looking for a competition, you're not going to hear it. You know, I've said it before, you hear the best preaching in the world right here in little old Bethlehem, Pottscamp, Mississippi. But the problem with hearing the best all the time is eventually you're going to have to hear the rest. And tonight I'm the rest, so you just have to deal with it. Amen? Amen. If you'll stand, we'll get ready to turn to the Bible. We'll turn to 1 Thessalonians, if you have your Bibles. Chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And it reads... 
For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. How many here know that Jesus is coming soon? Hallelujah. Lord, we love you, Jesus. God, we thank you for your many blessings. God, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me to speak the things that you've given me, Lord. I pray, God, that you would help me to say everything you would have me to and nothing that you wouldn't, Lord, God. And I pray that you would help it to saturate somebody's heart, saturate somebody's mind. Help them to be convinced tonight that it's time to get ready because you're coming very soon, Lord. And we'll give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord as we're being seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight I want to speak on a call of warning or of reward. We've heard time and time again that Jesus is coming soon. If you're like me, you've heard it, you've heard these words all of your life. I've heard it preached about. I've I've heard it taught about. I've read it many, many times. And to me, these are very familiar and comforting words. It is a promise that this world is not my home and that, that I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue, and I know it won't be long. Hallelujah. But if we are not careful, we could get so used to hearing and reading about it that we become calloused in our spirit. There may be some here, though, that maybe have never heard these words before, that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. What does that mean? Jesus is coming. Maybe you're not, maybe you're new to the apostolic doctrine or, or maybe Christianity. I don't know. Maybe you're just new and you're just not familiar with all the terminology that we use. One way or the other, I want to proclaim to you that Jesus is soon to be coming. When Jesus was about to begin his ministry on earth, he had a cousin named John who was the voice in the wilderness crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But really nobody knew exactly what he was talking about. We know he was preparing those of that day that Jesus was coming and that they were to get their hearts right so they could receive the word of the Lord and obey the soon coming gospel. I am come tonight much like John the Baptist as another voice crying out, Repent! Repent! Jesus is soon coming. Jesus is soon coming. And are you ready? Are you ready to meet him when he comes in that air, in the air? Now, we all heard the story, probably all of our lives, of the boy that cried wolf. He went out, as a shepherd community, and he went out and he, uh, he thought, I'm going to play a trick on the villagers. I, watch this, I'm going to play a trick. And he starts crying, wolf, wolf, there's a wolf after the sheep. And of course, all the townspeople come out and they look around, and the boy gets, gets tickled and I'm just playing. It's just a joke. And they're like, no, you don't need to be joking like that. This is our livelihood. This, you don't need to play with that. And so they all go back to their places. And you again, they hear the boy. He said, I'm going to do it again. See what they do. Wolf! Wolf! There's a wolf! He cried it again. The pit townspeople come out. And of course, there was no wolf. No wolf. And they went and said, you, gotta, you can't do that. You can't say that. You're, you're playing with something you don't need to mess with. We need to know if there's really a wolf coming. So they go back to their places, and he's, and he, he's messing around, he's playing, and then 
He happens to look up and he sees a wolf. This time he hollers again, wolf, wolf, there's a wolf after the sheep. Of course, the town people ignored him at this point. We've heard it enough. I'm tired of the boy. We're not going to mess with him anymore. And what happens is the wolf took the, the pleasure of the sheep and took him off, and he had his way with him. And the townspeople lost their sheep. They grew callous to the call of the little boy. Wolf, wolf, but I'm telling you, don't get calloused. Don't get calloused in your soul. I know we've heard it all of our life that Jesus is coming. But I'm telling you of a truth, Jesus is truly coming. It's not going to be long. He is coming soon. If you have the Holy Ghost and are the least bit sensitive to what God is doing, you can feel it in the spirit that something is happening. Something is definitely happening. You can look around in the world and you can see it happening right before our eyes. The signs of the times. We know the Lord is soon to appear. Amen. The atmosphere is changing. End time revival is happening. We are witnessing the latter rain being greater than the former. The enemy is fighting the church and the saints with all of his mind. Because he knows that Jesus is soon to return. I wonder if I'm not the only one who has been fought with here lately. The devil is trying to throw stuff at me that he's never thrown at me before. And he's throwing it more frequently and, and more often. He's trying to destroy us because he knows that the, he doesn't have much time. And the Lord is soon to return. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have news for the devil, though. Gates of hell shall not prevail against me. Hallelujah. We're standing on solid ground. We're standing on solid ground and we will win in the end because we are covered by the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus upon our life and our church, upon our families, and we will be victorious. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians says, in 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. We are witnessing strongholds being torn down today. We are seeing yokes of bondage being destroyed by the anointing of the Almighty God. We see drug addicts and alcoholics being made free in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, it's the end time and Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. We used to look for the signs of the times, but now we can look around and see that the signs are just just about all been fulfilled. You read through the Bible, just about they have all been fulfilled. What more possibly could possibly happen? We see it coming to pass right before our eyes. We are now looking for his triumphant return. It's gone from looking for the signs. Forget about the signs. I'm looking to the eastern skies because the Lord is soon to return. Hallelujah. So shall we ever be with the Lord. To some, this is a warning. It's a warning to them. They hear Jesus is coming, and they kind of get a little bit freaked out, a little bit scared. Jesus is coming, and oh, I'm not quite ready. Just hold off just a minute. I, I'm, I'm not quite ready to change my life, to change my ways. But I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. It has been repeated so many times that it can be, it be easy for us to become so callous to, to what it really means that it really doesn't affect us anymore. The impact of its meaning has become commonplace. I remember way back in the 70s and 80s that there were preachers who would come through. Yeah, way back in the 70s. I'm, I'm dating myself. Preachers would come through telling 
and preaching of hellfire and brimstone messages that would scare everyone to the altars. Today you preach on, on hell and it seems like nobody's affected, nobody's touched. But I'm telling you, it's still real. There's still a fire that's burning, and it'll take you. If you're living in a life of sin, it will take you to a devil's hell where you'll live or die for eternity. You need to make it right because Jesus truly is coming. Hallelujah. Their common theme was Jesus is coming soon, and you had better be ready. It was under the ministry of Richard Hurd, one of these hellfire and brimstone preachers, that I received the Holy Ghost in a little town called Albion, Indiana. It was their camp meeting in 1982. If you want to do the math, it was a long time ago. They would show videos of people who had missed the rapture of the church and were having to try to run and hide from those who were seeking to chop their heads off for not taking the mark of the beast. I was just a child then, and I'm telling you, it, it messed with my mind. Maybe I shouldn't have been there, but maybe I should have. It scared the mess out of me, I'm telling you. There, then there were videos of those who missed the rapture and had been sent to hell screaming and writhing in pain for eternity. Again, as a child, it scared any desire to sin completely out of me. I didn't want no part of it. Now we look around and we can see those signs being fulfilled. People are already getting chips placed in their hands. So they can buy things at market. Let's try this out. Let's see how it works for people. They're working it in a little bit at a time. And we can see it right before our eyes. We, the church, we should know what's going on. You see this coming to pass. You know what it is. They're preparing us for the mark of the beast. You better be ready. You better be ready. There are rumors that if you don't take, soon start getting the, vac the vaccine that you won't be able to fly from place to place. You better wear a mask or you can't buy or shop here or there. They're preparing us for the mark. You better believe it. They're preparing us for the mark. The government is limiting our freedoms one after another, and it seems there is nothing that we can do to stop it. I'm telling you, the end is here. Look up, for our redemption is coming soon. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. <clears throat> It says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do, no, do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whose heart is on home? Whose heart is on that heavenly place? I'm telling you, this world has nothing to offer that, can, that will satisfy me. But only God, only heaven can satisfy my soul. Who feels like that tonight? Can you give him praise? Hallelujah. The earthly things here that we put so much time and effort into, they're not going to matter a bit when the Lord returns to take us home. We've got to keep our minds on the Lord. We must be faithful to God. I'm telling you, Jesus is returning soon. We must make ourselves ready. Jesus is coming soon. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day would that be? The day of the Lord. When the Lord comes back, 
As you see that day approaching, so much the more we need to exhort each other, comfort each other, come together, hear the word of the Lord being preached. And if you're not here, how can you have faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have got to take time to be in the house of the Lord because Jesus is soon to come. And how are we going to increase our faith unless we are at the house of the God, the house of God hearing the words that are being spoken? We see the day approaching. It is not a time to quit, but to be faithful to his house. Hallelujah. Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44. If nothing else, when I preach, I always use a lot of words. So I can truly say I preach the word of God. If I mess it up, the word of God was preached, and that's all that really counts. Amen. Matthew 24, 36 through 44. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came, but and took them all away. So shall also the son, the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field; the one shall be taken, and the other left. Okay, I'm, I'm not a math genius, but there's there's two in the field; one's taken. That's fifty percent. Two women shall be grinding at the mill; the one shall be taken. And the other left. Again, 50%. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in, in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered this house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. What if... The 50% of, uh, the, of us that are here in attendance, what if only 50% of us that are here hearing the word of God were to be caught up when God came back? Think on that for a second. Ephesians 5, 27, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but uh, but that it should be holy and without blemish. I'm telling you, the Lord is looking for a church without spot or wrinkle. A church that has been watching and praying for his return, washed in his blood and saying, God, I'm going to keep my garments right. And I'm waiting, I'm watching, and I'm preparing for the moment that you split those skies because it's not going to be long. Are you in that number tonight? Hallelujah. Are you in that number? Hallelujah. Jesus spoke a parable one time to his disciples. His disciples were all Galileans. And that day, to my understanding, they, there was a cultural significance on how they dressed and, and how they prepared. Each, each, each people had a different culture in certain forms. And, and I, I heard recently that the Galileans, when they would marry, that the fathers would set them up with somebody but that woman that was to be betrothed to her husband, she would, she would make sure her garments were perfect. 
She wouldn't know when the time would be. She had to make sure they were clean. They had no spots, no wrinkles, perfectly ironed. I don't know if they ironed with a stone or whatever it was back then. But they had to be without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. They had to be ready and waiting. So when Jesus spoke this parable to his disciples, they knew exactly what he was talking about. And that's found in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. Oh, there's that number, ten. Which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. There's 50% again. Look around. 50%. What if the person next to you didn't make it? Lord, help us. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. You know, if, if they're in the number to be brides of this king or this prince, they had what it took. They were given the garment. They had, they had the oil. They had the vessel. So to me, it sounds like the bride of Christ. To me, it sounds like the church. We are the church. We know that. We are the bride of Christ. Are you the ones that are keeping your vessels trimmed, full of oil, with the anointing, with the power of God, with the Holy Ghost? Or are you the one that's, that's not keeping your oil filled? You're not refilling yourself with the Holy Ghost every time and any chance you get, but you're allowing it to, to, to just be used up and, and not go back to refill it. Are you the one that keeps your garment away because you have other things you need to do and you're not preparing for when the time that the, the bridegroom comes and take his bride away? Hallelujah. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. That's what I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go ye out to meet him. Get ready. Be ready. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Now, if you're depending on your, your brother or your sister to make you make it to heaven, then you're waiting on the wrong person. You're going to have to do it for yourself. Hallelujah. He's going to come for a bride that makes themselves ready. You can't depend on your brother. You can't depend on your sister. You are accountable for your own life. Hallelujah. Your own soul. Jesus, Jesus. And, that, and while they went to buy, this is verse 10, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they, they that were ready went in with him to, to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. If you aren't ready to meet Jesus at his return, I'm calling out a warning to you. Get ready! 
Jesus is coming soon. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Hallelujah. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Think of the day that we live in. Covetous. I want what you have. You, you've got what I want. I want that. Boasters. I'm better than you. Are proud. You think you're, you want some of this? Blasphemers. Ah, the Lord ain't real. Disobedient to parents. <laughs> I don't need to say anything. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. Lord have mercy. Truce breakers. False accusers. Incontinent. Fierce. Despisers of those that are good. Traitors. Heady. High-minded. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Oh God, we live in that day right now. There's no doubt about it. We're living in that day right now. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, hallelujah, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Is there somebody in this place that's been delivered? Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. For such were some of you. I'm not that person I used to be. Oh, but I'm going to be in that number. My name is in the book of life. Hallelujah. I've been, I am sending a call of warning. If you are not ready, get ready. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Years ago, we've all, again, we've all played this probably from the time I was young, the de generation before me and probably the generation after me and the babies today. We played a game called hide and seek or in the south, hide and go seek. Yeah, I'm from Indiana, so I'm, I'm somewhat Yankee too, Brother Bass. But we used to call it hide and seek up there, but it's hide and go seek. And you remember, you would, you would have one person that would be it. They would be, they would be the one that stayed at the base and they would count. And sometimes they would count backwards from 20 or 30 or whatever and count down. But I could hear the Lord right now. He's counting 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. It's coming soon. 2, 1. Ready or not, here I come. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. We got to quit hiding. We got to be ready. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. But also, I'm going to change directions just a little bit. With the warning of Jesus' is coming is also a reminder of the reward for those that are blood-bought. 
washed in the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, when I hear those words, Jesus is coming. You don't have to feel sorrowful. You don't have to, to be in fear because you know that your redemption soon to come. The things that you've been dealing with is soon going to be over. There's another side of this. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming, but it's a, not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's not a threat to us. It's a reminder of our reward. It gives us hope that the sorrows will, that we face, the turmoil that we go through, all of the pain, all of the regret that we have endured with all, will all soon and be over. Hallelujah. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sweet peace. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for peace that passes all understanding? By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Again, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I'm blood-bought. I'm filled with the presence and Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be in that number, to know that His coming is not a threat, but a glorious day, a day of reunion with loved ones in Christ who have gone on before, a day where I'll hear those words, Well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. The day we will see the face of Jesus, the one who died for our sins, rose to give us new life in Him with a hope and the knowledge that one day, that soon coming day, that we too will rise with Him in victory through the power of the Holy Ghost. What a day! What a day that will be. Hallelujah! Oh, hallelujah! 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 This, this reminds me of many songs that were written of that day. Songs like, What a Day That Will Be. I'm looking for a city. Jesus is coming soon, one of our great quartet songs. Heaven's Jubilee, and there's many, many more but, that we have sung through the years. But while studying and meditating on this message, I felt a couple songs that came to my mind. A couple songs that reminded me of this hope of his soon coming and what it means to me. If it's all right, I'm going to do something a bit different tonight. I'm... I'm going to sing a couple of those old gospel songs. Is that all right? I know we don't have music, but I felt it in my spirit as I was preparing for this message, sing a couple of old songs. When I was young, I, my pastor was uh, Pastor Larry Wyatt in Fort Wayne, Indiana. One of the only songs that I can really ever remember him singing was an old song by the Oak Ridge Boys. I guess it was by them. They sang it years and years ago. It was called, It Won't Be Long Till Jesus Comes. Anybody remember that song? Just a country boy, I never 
had much money. I never knew the word luxury. But in heaven, I know I'll have a mansion. The streets of gold were paved just for me. And it won't be long until Jesus comes. I've never been to heaven, but I know I'll feel at home. And it won't be long till Jesus comes. Well, I'm on my way to heaven, and I know it won't be long. If the Lord should come today, I'd go to meet him. And sinners left behind would start to pray. They'll be crying for the rocks to fall upon them. They'll weep and pray, but it will be too late. Sing along. And it won't be long till Jesus comes. I've never been to heaven, but I know I'll feel at home. And it won't be long till Jesus comes. I'm on my way to heaven. And I know it won't be long. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I know it won't be long. Hallelujah. As that song was going through my mind, I could hear my pastor singing it. it was, I even texted his daughter, didn't your pastor sing this, or your dad sing this? She said, yes, he did. And, and, uh, and along with that, another song that touched my heart from years ago was sung by Vesta Goodman. It was called, This Is Just What Heaven Means to Me. A country where no twilight shadows deepen, unending day where night shall never be. A city where no storm clouds ever gather. Now this is just what heaven means to me. What will it be when we get over yonder and join the throng upon the glassy sea to greet our loved ones and crown Christ forever. Oh, this is just what heaven means to me. And when at last we see the face of Jesus before whose image other loves all flee. And when they crown him Lord of all, I'll be there. 
Now this is just what heaven means to me. Now there's a place where there is no misunderstanding. And from all enmity and strife we're free. No unkind words to wrong the hearts are spoken. Now this is just what heaven means to me. Now sing it with me. What will it be when we get over yonder and join the throng upon the glassy sea to greet our loved ones and crown Christ forever. Oh, this is just what heaven means to me. Hallelujah. What's it mean to you? Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. We're going to see our loved ones. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Streets of gold. Hallelujah. I'm concluding with this. In Philippians 4, verse 5. It says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, Pastor Voskis wrote in a Bible study a few years ago the following about the last phrase of verse 5. The phrase, the Lord is at hand, is the translation of the Syriac word Maranatha. Maranatha. Maranatha is an abundantly interesting word. Though it only appears in its original language once in the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians 16 and 22, history reveals it is one of the most prominent phrases used by the early church. In the early church, in the early years of the church, Christians used the expression frequently. It was often spoken in conversation and was used as a postscript at the end of written documents and letters. When the archaeologists searched the walls of ancient catacombs, they often found this word carved into and inscribed on the rock walls. It was constantly in the hearts and on the lips of the early Christians. Scholars claim that it was originally two words in the Aramaic language, the language which Jesus himself used. Marana, meaning teacher, and the, meaning come or coming, or our teacher is coming back. We must remember that Christianity began in the pagan Roman world where there were many persecutions and much uncertainty. These negative conditions encouraged the desire for the Lord to come speedily. Early Christians lived in a meager world, not knowing the comforts and luxuries of life which we enjoy today, but they fretted for the bare necessities of life. Because Christianity was illegal, they were daily in danger of being captured or tortured to the death. Therefore, they were often afraid and disheartened. It was under these conditions that the resilient church encouraged one to continue forward. The favorite saying of the follower of Jesus in those days was, Amen, Maranatha. These words can be taken to mean, Come, Lord Jesus, I truly believe. Maranatha became a commonly used greeting between early Christians when they would meet around town. 
And history records a story of a group of Christians who were being persecuted in an arena by Roman soldiers who were preparing to kill them. At that sad and dramatic moment, another Christian climbed up to the top row of the arena, stood up and shouted, Maranatha! The Lord is coming! The Christians in the arena died with a praise and a promise on their minds and hearts that Jesus was coming back and they would be resurrected with Him. Therefore, in the midst of an evil day, do not forget, Maranatha! The Lord is at hand. Keep going forward. Keep serving the Lord because Maranatha, the Lord is at hand. And Jesus is coming. If you all stand. Galatians 6 and verse 9. It says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let this be a reminder to not give up. Your reward is on the way. Jesus is truly coming soon. If this feels like a threat or it's a warning to you, I'm calling for you to repent. Get right. Don't wait before it's too late. If you haven't been baptized, it's time tonight. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that will wash your sins away. Hallelujah. Don't wait before it's too late. When the dead in Christ rise and we that are alive and remain are caught up to meet Him in the sky, you won't have the chance to make things right. It will be too late. Seek the Lord while He may still be found. Hallelujah. Oh, God, is there someone in this place tonight? Hallelujah. Who, is the, the, who takes this as a reminder, as a warning, that God is coming back soon. Jesus is soon to split the eastern skies and take his bride home with him. If you're that person, if it scares you, if there's something in you that says, I'm not ready, I wouldn't wait past tonight to get your heart right with God. If you haven't repented, it's time to repent of your sins. If you haven't been baptized, do it tonight. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, do it tonight. Come and repent, and the Lord is faithful to fill you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But if you're on the other side, I'm giving you a, a warning, not a warning, but I'm calling out that the Lord is soon returned, and you should rejoice knowing that, yes, I won't have to live here much longer. I won't have to deal with the pains and struggles of life. For Jesus is coming soon. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, get ready. If you're not ready, make your spirit right. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we all pray this evening? Lord God, we love you, Jesus. Lord, to be ready for your soon return, oh God. We can't afford to be lost for eternity in hellfire, Lord God, where there'll be weeping.
gnashing of teeth, where the worm dies not, but it eats and destroys. Oh, God, help us be ready, Lord. God, help us to be ready, Lord Jesus. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives, oh God. We thank you for this reminder, Lord, that you're coming as soon. Lord, we thank you for this reminder that we won't have to put up with this world, their sin and their culture much longer, God, but you're going to take us away where there's streets of gold, gates of pearl. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we give him a hand clap? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. All minds clear, as they used to say. Hallelujah. If you're not right, I wouldn't hold on. I wouldn't wait any longer. The Lord is coming back. It's a call of warning or a call of reward. Amen. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for this word, God. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to take it home with us if we're not right, to make sure that we get right as soon as possible, Lord God. And, Lord God, we pray that you'd watch over us, protect us. Lord, we plead the blood over us, keep us safe from all harm, and guide us and protect us in the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Amen, amen. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.